Hey there, and welcome back to A Conversation for One Podcast, the podcast where I ramble on and discuss a variety of topics ranging from horror and sci-fi multimedia, theme parks, Canadiana, so much more. I feel, am I missing one there? Horror and sci-fi multimedia, ah, film franchises and universes. As you can tell, it's been a while. So hey guys, thanks for coming back here. Uh, thanks for uh, coming back for a listen. Today, we are going to talk about something that, uh, well, we're going to talk about a few things, um, not just in this episode, but in the next couple episodes, I'm planning to do four. Um, we're going to talk about, I can't quite figure out how I want to word this, but you know what, we'll figure it out in post, but it's 90s, films made in the 90s, pulp, period, comic book films. And what I mean by that is comic book movies, um, or um, yeah, comic book movies, that's it's plain and simple, that were made in the 90s that uh, are based off of um, either set in uh, like a, a time period of like the 30s, 40s, or they're actually like set in that because they're created in that time. And these are like characters before the dawn of superheroes, um, before um, before Super really came into it. Super obviously came in more so with the dawn of Superman, the likes of Captain America and Batman. But these characters are a bit of a precursor. They are just the noir-type heroes, more of a detective, more of an everyman. Sometimes they are um, masked vigilantes, but they have no powers per se, just they take law into their own hands. But today we're going to be talking about a character that kind of serves as a transitional, um, as it's noted by a, a bunch of different scholars. One in particular name eludes me at the moment, but he is a transitional hero. He has elements of both the noir detective style hero who has no powers, has no abilities, is just a man with a mask. Also has elements of Tarzan, a lot of jungle elements, like in tune with nature, in tune with animals, has a great relationship with the indigenous people, and also has a little bit of superhero type qualities. Um, has the lair, has the secret identity, um, um, basically, I really, really liked it. And what I'm beating around the bush here for is we, today we are going to be talking about 1996, the movie The Phantom. Listen to your friend Billy's name. 
He's a cool dude. He's trying to help you out. Now, right from the get-go, this movie is amazing. I had been putting off this movie for quite some time, and you know, as we do on the show, I like to always say, we're not really doing a review today, because I, I don't really fancy myself a reviewer per se, because you know, in this, in this day and age of podcasts, there are people, everybody and their grandmother does a review, has their own take, has their own criticisms and you know they'll say I like this I like that I didn't like this I didn't like that and you know really what you're coming here for is you're coming here because you liked a good host but I'm just I feel like I'm doing us a service pat my pat myself on the back here by just bringing up these films not so much as a a good or a bad type thing but just to address that they're there um as I said in the teaser if you guys did listen to it these films are tragic in a sense because they were painfully, um, excuse me, burp there. They were painfully um, detailed and painfully um, crafted so that they were incredibly close to the source material. Um, like they didn't take very many leeways with it. They didn't take too many um, artistic, um, um, like they didn't deviate too much. You know, they didn't take too many, like I can't think of what the, ch- the term is right now, but they didn't take too many basically like they didn't have too many artistic freedoms with it, and they didn't uh, they didn't stray from the path too much when it came to the actual um, comic, pulp, um, novel, radio show, whatever it was, um, source material, and that actually hurt it a lot because this, these movies were made in the '90s. From 1990, that's where Dick Tracy comes into 1996. Like these films are not a series; they're not tied together so much as they are bound by just their history. Um, but these films, this is before comic book movies were huge. Like, obviously, you had the likes of Superman. You had the likes of Batman. Those movies were mega monster hits when they came out, but that's because they were the cream of the crop, essential ones, and you know what? They weren't too... Say what you will about about the films. I love the Batman series. Like, Superman is obviously cool for what it is, you know, with Space Bird. (laughs) It's a bit of an inside joke, Um, which I now have to explain. I can't just say, and Space Bird, but, like, when Superman is carrying Lois Lane, he's, like, way in the clouds, and there's a pigeon. Just, why would a pigeon be that high? Anywho. Um, but those those characters are mega monster stuff, and then, obviously, when you get to the 2000s, you have Blade, which is a success, in, a success in its own right, because it wasn't a mega monster uh, property at the time, and it really still isn't. But then you had the likes of X-Men. You had the likes of Spider-Man. And then you had, uh, what else kind of came in around there? But then you started getting stuff like the Hulk, Daredevil, Fantastic Four. And that's a whole other shit show, side fest. Uh, obviously, the movies are not completely garbage, especially if we're talking about Spider-Man. But Batman, uh, what I was saying, those movies are fairly close to the source material. But they take their, they have their artistic freedoms and they, they, they stray where they are. I mean, you have Tim Burton. And really, he changed the character and that's become kind of canon now. But in the, the forefront beforehand... It wasn't too, too canon. There was a couple of darker stories, but mostly it was still the uppity Adam West type stuff. Um, so when you're getting into these kind of comic films that came out in the 90s, um, again, that's Dick Tracy from 1990. Uh, 1991's... Um, actually, I can't remember what the order is now. I don't remember if it's 91 The Shadow or 91 The Rocketeer. Mm. 
but then yeah so you have the rocketeer you have the shadow and then you have 1996 the phantom which we're talking about today which i absolutely adored um but these films they kind of you know they took us a little step back um because people weren't into comic book movies um and if it was super close to the source material no one gave a shit because the comic books are still a very niche thing you were like a pimply dork uh it wasn't cool to be a nerd then as it is now everybody's a nerd like oh i like one comic book thing oh, i'm such a nerd but like these comic books especially old comic books from the 30s if you knew what that was you were straight up dork like women were not talking to you if you're a guy guys were not going after you unless they were dorks um you know and those guys they most of them probably work for nasa now or they have wealthy businesses because they you know they 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 were smart they were smart they knew what the good stuff was before everybody else kind of caught on later in the day um but the phantom as i've been saying uh is from the 30s uh, late 30s and it's actually of all the series is the one that is still going today it's still an ongoing series it carries a lot the same way as like a doctor who or a star trek would it just kind of picks up when it picks up as far as i understand it's not a steady steady run but like it's still going like every decade there's it's got like many years within the decade where they're making consistent um, stories so this film was incredible i've said this now a couple times you have billy zane the amazing Billy Zane, poor guy. I like, honestly, like every movie I've seen Billy Zane and I'm like, I love this guy. And he crushes it in this film. Like you might not know who Billy Zane is, but as soon as you watch this film, you're going to fall in love with this guy. He's great. Um, the, the dialogue that he has just, well, the dialogue in general in this film is very plucky, very charismatic. Um, it, uh, it dances around a lot of complex things. Like, um, I don't mean the complex, um, in terms of like social constructs or anything like that i just mean like it breezes through um kind of what's going on in the narrative structure in a in a way that makes you feel like it's brisk and it's nice it's not like grazing over it like we're not going to touch on that it just it moves you through the story really nice and the dialogue is a lot of what carries it um directing's great in this film uh, cinematography is great in this film editing is great in this film uh, the, all of the actors for the most part are really good in this film is it a little predictable at times? Absolutely. But I mean, what comic book movie really isn't at the end of the day? And I'm not saying this movie is the best movie I've ever seen. I'm not saying that that there isn't any flaws of this film, but definitely if you ever, and I watched it on Amazon Prime, if you guys have Amazon Prime. Am I sounding a little nasally? <clears throat> Probably shouldn't even joke, COVID-19 stuff, but uh, wow, that got heavy real quick. So the... The film kind of draws this line, and I myself really appreciate it because I, I, I myself enjoy the higher arts when it comes to film. I, I like a movie that makes no sense when I'm watching it because it's depicting a lot of great imagery and it's kind of poking at food for thought, but really it's not, you know. Art, art people and film people know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of those movies out there, and that's usually what the main audience doesn't go towards, but then I also like schlocky, bad shit at the same time, and I can really get behind it, like... I can go from like really deep Kino Lorber Criterion collection all the way to like Vinegar Syndrome and like Severin like films like I like all, all types and this film does this great thing where it's serious serious in like the story the story style the character style dialogue all that um, it's very 90s and very 30s but you know how like every decade so like if a movie is made in 2010 and they're trying to portray that it's from the 1950s and the 1940s and the 1920s it still has that kind of like 2010 flair, whether it's like the film style, the lighting, the editing, um, just even how like characters hold themselves or how they present dialogue, um, even though they're trying to make it feel very um, weighted and um, I, I guess um, 
weighted in the time period that they're trying to, it'll always have that kind of like sense. Like a movie from the seventies is trying to be from like the twenties. You still are like, yeah, this is from the seventies. Even if you didn't know, you know what I mean? It's kind of got that flavor to it. Uh, Cause every decade is a little, a little different and how they, and how it grows and evolves or, or whatever. Right. So it still feels very nineties, but it's also when you really take a step back, it's got this great scope to it and the set pieces are amazing. And it's crazy when you see this film was only made for 45 million, which I know it sounds like a lot, but in terms of like movie world, it's really not. I think even with like inflation, I'm not good at math, but I'm just going to say, even with inflation, I can't see this film being more 45 million in 1996 to now. I can't see it being more than like 80 million, which is crazy to think that a superhero film was made for 80. Um, and that's don't hold me to it. It could be 120 for all I know, but it was still, it's crazy. It's a crazy number to think of. And, um, but the thing that I enjoyed was it played it straight, but it also had this very campiness to it. Not like Batman 1960s like style campiness, but it had like, it was, it was fun. It was flareful. It had, it was like, like I've said, it's like very tongue in cheek. And, um, the character isn't meta per se, but he, he's just kind of along for the ride too. You know, he isn't like the Christian Bale Batman where he's on top of the game all the time and he's figuring out and he knows what he's doing. Uh, he's just kind of, you know, he's playing it by ear. He's just like, he's super smart and he's super strong, but he's not superhuman in any way. And he's like, an, he's just, he's just a good guy. You know, he's like just trying his best. And honestly, there's something admirable about that. And the campiness kind of plays into it because it's like, it's kind of got that campiness from the actual pulp novels that it's from. It's kind of got that campiness from like something from a TV show that you might've enjoyed, but it's also like, it's like it's a comic book movie and it's not it's not playing it dark like the D new dc movies and it's not playing it like everything's a laugh riot like the mcu which i'm really starting to hate um and and i, I love that it was it was a fun watch i put it on and i thought hey you know what i'll put it on and god damn it i couldn't stop it so basically the flavor of the movie is um it's very indiana jones and apparently it has some of the writers from the first or the third indiana jones and then another series like, yeah, God damn it. You know, you'd think after a year of doing this that I'd start writing notes. And honestly, I do. But when I do some of these episodes, sometimes I'm like, ah, I remember it all. Shoot, let's do it. And then uh, I don't. I don't remember anything. So it's kind of got that like, not Temple of Doom, but it's still a very Indiana Jones vibe. So just a brief synopsis. You have your characters, the bad guys going into the jungle and this like make-believe African country and they stumble upon the phantom and the phantom stops them and learns of their plans. The plan is you have one group funded by this wealthy New York guy, um, Wex, Wexler or Wexler Drax, Drax, Xander Drax, Xander Drax. Anyways, I love this guy. The villain is amazing. Very, very cool. A sharp dialogue, <laughs> really in your face, full of like character. And uh, yeah, he was great. And it wasn't hammy. It wasn't over the top. It was just perfect. He was sharp. He knew when he was going to talk to somebody that like he talked down to them just the right amount. He talked up to them just the right amount. And at the same time, I watched the um, special features on YouTube and he, the, the actor who plays this character voiced it perfectly. It's a film about watching two men on an adventure. One is for good gains and one is for evil gains. And that's basically what it is. It's not like the bad guy just keeps showing up um, to stop, to put like a, a roadblock in front of our hero. They're both going after these things at the same time. And that's also what makes it like a draw to watch it because you're watching 
two characters, both with their own goals. And they're just, they're basically one foot in front of the other. They have a brief amount of plans ahead, but they're just kind of figuring it out. And then as the movie progresses, you find there's also a third party also trying to get these. Um, so the film goes from this African country to New York to, um, was it Singapore? Something like that. It goes, it's a bit of a, like a globetrotter film in that sense. Um, like I said, has elements of Indiana Jones, has elements of, um, Tarzan a little bit, has elements of a gangster film. It was Oh, wow, it was it was something. Like I said, it's not the best movie in the world, and I'm not going to tell you guys like you you haven't lived to have seen this. But it was super super good, and I I was I was texting my girlfriend. And I was like, is it bad that I want to watch it again? Like I just finished it and I wanted to watch it again like the next day. Very very good. So as I said in my teaser, I had not seen any of these four films we're talking about except for The Rocketeer, which is a favorite of mine. Um, so I kind of just, it been on, it had been on my list for forever. So I threw it on and uh, pleasantly surprised. So like I said, Billy Zane, he's a cool dude. I love Billy Zane. And, uh, Derek back on top, man. Thanks, Billy. You rock. No, you rock. When are you going to drop Magnum on us, buddy? Not yet. Got to tame the beast before you let it out of its cage. I wish he wasn't, I wish he wasn't like he hadn't disappeared from Hollywood. Um, but he looks the part. When you look at the Phantom, he looks the part. It wasn't like one of those like Hollywood misstep things. And that's also too kind of sidestepping here a little bit. I feel that's also kind of killed um, some of these films. Like, granted, there were some big stars, but Billy Zane, he was kind of hot off the heels of Titanic when he made this, from what I understand. And um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think this one came before i don't think it came out maybe it's titanic 97 i don't know but he was kind of like this big star he was kind of like he was kind of like rising up through the ranks so i guess but it, it wouldn't have been like casting like tom cruise or nick cage or who else was big in the 90s i guess like uh i guess even maybe like having like uh, keanu reeves maybe cast as the the phantom i'm not really sure or like Ethan Hawke or something. I don't know. It would have been like having a big star like that. But Billy Zane was like, I guess, kind of big. But then you have like The Shadow. You had cast Alec Baldwin. Um, but then when you get... And then Warren Beatty, I guess he kind of appealed to like older people. But like, I don't really think a lot of people wanted to see old 40 whatever Warren Beatty being Dick Tracy. I just, I really don't. And then The Rocketeer, you had nobody. You had Timothy Dalton as the bad guy and Alan, uh, Alan Arkin. Was he in that one? But you didn't really have any big stars like throughout them and the stars really couldn't carry them anyways and that's kind of like the 90s was still that time where a big star could take the film you know a big star a couple big stars a big director um if they made this like a tentpole blockbuster but it just didn't happen and almost all of these films from what i saw were meant to be multi multi-picture series and all of them didn't have one and the phantom i feel from what i've seen like i said i haven't seen any of them except for the rocketeer i feel like the phantom would have been the one that they carried into a series and it's a shame they didn't i have seen stuff that they talked about a reboot they talked about a sequel for many many years and it's too bad because honestly it was great all the characters were great so like i said you got billy zane great guy perfect for the phantom looks like the phantom look him up like the phantom online it looks verbatim like him and he was like the physical shape for it perfect perfect height um you had um is it christy swanson 
uh, Buff, the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You had her in there. She was admittedly not my favorite, but she did the role well. And honestly, for a 1996 film, very strong female character. You know, she takes care of herself. She's not a damsel in distress. I, obviously, he comes to save her, but he's never like, she's never helpless in a situation. It's more like buying her time. And she honestly takes care of herself. She's punching and kicking the shit out of guys. And, you know, she takes care of herself at the end of the day. You have a very ravishing Catherine Zeta-Jones. I don't know if this was her first picture, but goddamn it, she was hot. Um, and that's just not all of her qualities, honestly. She's, she's good in the film. She's got a couple quippy, quirky lines. And um, she serves as kind of like a duality between both the uh, for the Phantom, between like two different love interests. The one girl that he's crazy about and the one girl who's like the sexy femme fatale. Um, like I said, the bad guy, um, Xander, Xander Drax or Wexler, whatever his name was, perfect. One of my favorite bad guys that I've seen that I can remember from like the last five years of movies that I've watched. Very, very good. Very fun to watch. Um, the bad guys, like the goons, they all had their role. None of them felt too hokey. None, none of them felt too tongue-in-cheek. And uh, honestly, that's... that's <sighs> Perfect. So uh, in case you guys didn't see the Instagram story before that this comes out, I've been recording on two different laptops. So I had the old shitbox laptop and I have the new shitbox laptop. So the old laptop would crash intermittently all the time while recording. And what's really fun is this new laptop that is a quad core, tons of RAM, tons of memory, not a single goddamn program on it. I've got Audacity and I've got iTunes and I have nothing else running on it the old one would crash the new one does this fun thing where i record and i record and it could even be a nice easygoing recording 20 minutes like this one right now currently and then i'll go to click save and i'll go whoopsie do we've lost a bunch of the audio for this and what it does is it says the hard drive that you're attached to is too slow or you have too much running and the kicker is there's no hard drive attached to it and i have nothing running so how i got such a lemon i don't know but such is my life i'm always i always have the best luck so that's why we're also recording on the phone and god forbid the phone crashes i have it plugged in i have cleared a ton of memory it's just like fate does not want this podcast to survive. And that's honestly what holds me back a lot of the time is just trying to edit something or trying to fix something that should have been a quick upload. It's always really fun. Much like The Phantom. Let's, let's talk about that again. And this episode was, of course, brought to you by Kayla Sutton Real Estate. Now, watching The Phantom should be the only time around somebody who's ghosting you. That's the last thing you want with a real estate agent. With Kayla Sutton Real Estate, you won't have to wonder where your agent is because Kayla Sutton offers top-tier customer service that's always available. Specializing in first-time home buyers, Kayla Sutton Real Estate strives to go above and beyond from start to finish so you can feel confident and at ease with your first home purchase. Right now, Kayla Sutton Real Estate has a promotion of $1,200 towards legal fees or free home inspection for anyone who purchases their first home within the next two months during the spring market, as well a $300 referral fee for anyone who refers new clients to Kayla Sutton Real Estate. You can contact Kayla Sutton at kaylasutton at kw.com. That's K-A-Y-L-A-S-U-T-T-O-N at kw.com or at 905-868-0821. That's 905-868-0821 for any of your first-time homebuyer needs in both York Region and Simcoe County. So The Phantom wasn't a long movie, easy to get through, characters are great, loyal to the story, 
from what I understand, it mashes four different stories together. So The Phantom was a um, like a pulp novel. So I don't know exactly if they reused pulp as in the sense like a pulp story, so like a quick kind of like dime book, or like pulp is in comic. But from what I understand, DC eventually published some stories. Marvel published some stories. Image published some stories. I'm not even sure. Maybe Dark Horse might have published some stories. So he is a comic book character. Um, but they mashed like four stories together and then added a couple new characters. But what I really loved about the film was that the stuff that the film changed from the character were like nice additions. Nothing was a subtraction. And that's honestly how you should do it. If you're going to do something, um, don't take out something that's absurd and, and make it level. You know what I mean? Like I find Marvel started out, they did that. Um, both in the the Fox and the Sony films, and the, but also original MCU, they did that a lot, where they're like, we can't be too outlandish. But what they did here is they added something, and it, it didn't make the character invincible, it didn't give him superpowers. What they kind of gave him was they kind of added a Black Panther power. Um, and what that is exactly is that he can see his forebearers. So the, the way the Phantom works, for anybody that isn't um, accustomed with the Phantom, and I'm sure most of you are not, you probably don't even know what the Phantom is. So the Phantom is just this guy, black, Mr. Incredible type looking uh, goggles over the face, and then just basically a one piece purple um, jumper, like jumpsuit, like uh, what are they called? Not morph suit. Um, but that's basically what he has, and he has two guns, um, and then like his, and then he's got a belt with like a, not a Punisher style um, skull, but still a skull there. And uh, basically he is referred to as the ghost who walks because um, all of his forebearers hand down the role to the next son. So it always seems like there's always a phantom. Like he's always this character who's always around protecting the villagers, like the indigenous, um, stop, stopping crime stopping like the evils of the world that's basically what he's tasked with like making sure that the evils of the world like don't strip the world of its like its purity and it's like its truth and it's like joy so in the film billy zane talks to his dad which also i really enjoyed in the film is that like they allude to that the dad was just killed because like the one goon keeps saying like that can't be like i just killed this guy um so but they don't beat around the bush they don't show how billy zane became the phantom they don't they don't give you this long backstory. They don't say, hey, this is what happened. This is how he became him. It just jumps you right into the story. And I honestly really respect that in films. I like that they they acknowledge that the audience is smart enough to figure it out. To like, as long as you keep sprinkling some in with the story, that the audience can put it together. Even like the slowest people can put it together by the end of the film. Um, and he's able to talk to his dead dad. So his dad would be like, well, you got to look for this. Or a phantom never does this. Or yeah that reminds me of a time like when this happened this person was here no one else can see the dad and they all think billy zane's crazy but i loved it they give him just that little extra power this little supernatural element so it's not just talking to animals or like being cool with animals like you could kind of buy that you know jungle thing but it's like no as the phantom that's the power that's in store to in stow to him is that he can talk to the past phantoms and the black panther anybody who's seen black panther there's that scene where he goes he takes, I don't know if he drinks something or what it is, but he talks to his dad. And then there's all these other Panthers in the comics, in the Black Panther comics. That's one of Black Panther's like, um, to, um, that's one of the powers is that he can talk to all of the past Black Panthers. They all are stored in like basically what makes him Black Panther. Like he, he is able to 
talk to them all and gather wisdom from them and run them through his problems or whatever, right? And it's honestly, it, it, I love that detail. For a superhero that's based in lineage, much like Black Panther is, it's, it's kind of like really, really great that he can do that. Like he can talk to all of his past selves. They didn't show all of the past selves, but they had a wall where like they showed all of the mantles of the past ones. So I would feel like every phantom could realistically talk to the past phantom for guidance and strength and um, wisdom in in their journey, especially because it just seemed like maybe, um, I think his name's Cal. Cal, I can't remember what what Billy Zane's character's actual name is, but he seems like he's pretty fresh. It's not like Batman year one, but he seems like he's pretty fresh. fresh. Like he's maybe only been the phantom for a few weeks, a month, two months type thing. Um, like the dad might have just been killed. I think what the goon said, like, I just killed that guy like three months ago. So like, I think he's only been the Phantom for like three months. But yeah, so I really enjoyed that. And there's some cool shots. Like there's there's Billy Zane and like his like big um, like stone chair brooding as like the, the light comes in on him. And oh, that's it too. So like the score for this film was great. It's perfect superhero score. It's soft. It's It's got a nice melody to it, but it also strikes like, not fear, but it's, it kind of amps you up a little bit, and it's 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 not Danny Elfman's Batman or Danny Elfman's Spider Man, but goddamn, you know, it's it still like sweeps you up in the moment, and it's perfect for what it is. It it hits those beats for like an old pulp film. It hits the beats for beeps. Hits the beats for um, like a good '90s kind of superhero film, and even just a '90s film in general. It's kind of it's kind of got a ring to it. I will say though that this this score. Again, not saying like this is the best movie, but I will say that this score isn't as memorable um, as some some of the other scores that might have come around. It's not, it's uh, like I said, it's no Danny Elfman's Batman, but when it comes on, you you're you're swept into it that just that little bit more. And uh, honestly, what more could you ask for? You know, at the end of the day, um, good score, good editing, some amazing cinematography, some amazing shots just in general. Like there's some shots in there where it's like this is this is perfect, and I can only imagine for. The twelve shadow shadow fans, the twelve phantom fans that were around when <laughs> when this came out. Which, admittedly, I'm getting into it now myself. I just bought a couple books. Don't tell anybody. Uh, and I'm hoping to uh, get into that whenever I have time. I have tons of stuff I need to catch up on, not just for my life, but for this podcast. Um, <sighs> what were we talking about? See, it's. It, it nails a lot. Um, what it doesn't have is um, it didn't age like a fine wine, to be perfectly honest. Like, it was a fun watch, and it's great, but it doesn't. Some of the things that are in it, like like I said, it's campy in some ways, but some of the things are a little hokey. Like, um, you go along with it because it kind of melds into the same kind of um, parallel, uh, parallel, same kind of, like, I don't know, I'm searching for a word here. Like, not the tone, but I guess kind of the tone, the vibe of, like, the actual film. But then when you really think about it, it's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't buy it. And another thing that I didn't really, I like, I didn't really like about the film is that the movie flows like a fine wine up until, like, 75% into the film. And then weirdly, this is a bit of a spoiler um, if, if you're going to watch it, but like all of a sudden Catherine Zeta-Jones, who's a bad guy and like is like basically like 
vying for the phantom and doesn't want this other girl to succeed and like has punched her and all this stuff all of a sudden she's like we'll stick together us girls have to stick together and then she helps the phantom and they all kind of work together and i I was like okay so pros and cons this film does not have loose ends which is like admirable and appreciate it but how it doesn't have loose ends is sloppy and loose and a little anticlimactic so we have Catherine Zeta-Jones kind of working together, whatever, and you're like, okay, I guess that makes sense. And then you have a bunch of the of Drax's goons killed off by this weird pirate commander, I guess. So that takes care of that. Um, and then there's like this fourth stone. We're like, so they're looking for three skulls. And then we get to the end of the film and they find all three skulls. And they're like, the pirate king guy says, who we were originally looking for in the beginning of the film for some reason, and then isn't brought up again until like right at the very end. So again, kind of sloppy, but the, the loose end gets tied, which also was sloppy, but at least it's tied instead of being loose, right? So he's like, you fool, right? You've gotten all three of these skulls, but you don't have the fourth skull to command these skulls. So you're like, shit, we're like, I thought we only had like goddamn 20 minutes left in this film, but it sounds like we're about to start another hour adventure. And then we get to the final fight, between the New York businessman and our superhero. And I use super loosely. Um, and so the bad, the main bad guy is killed pretty easy, or the main henchman's killed pretty easily. And um, the Phantom takes back his dad's belt, which was missing. I didn't really talk about that because I wasn't really getting into too heavy plot details, but he kills him off. He's been fighting this guy the last like four scenes, but he kills him off, no problem. That's actually probably the strongest, the hardest of the two fights that happened at the end of this film. Then Drax gets these three skulls and he's firing lasers like crazy, which I loved. It was like perfect mix of practical effects and also like just good old hand animating the light. It wasn't a CGI, which was like appreciated. And I, the little film guy in me really enjoyed that. So he's like, yeah, the fourth stone was this ring that I've had on my finger, like the skull, which is similar to the belt on him. And he basically, they have this. (laughs) So Drax fires the laser towards the phantom and the phantom uses his ring which also shoots a laser it's kind of like watching the schwartz and space balls they basically are going back and forth and just by them flexing their arms a bit and going ah they like the laser goes back and forth back and forth and then the skulls basically explode and kill our guy and that's it that's how we we tie him up the literally gets the stone we find out we need a fourth stone and within a minute and a half two minutes our bad guy who is evaded everything this entire film has come out on top and on everything this entire film is just suddenly destroyed just like that and the phantom makes it out Catherine zeta jones and girl um they make it they leave the island the phantom is like hey we should we should get married now that you know like my secret so we can have a son because she like alludes to oh it's so like it's a lineage thing huh and he's like yeah it's a lineage thing and she's like cool good luck with that <laughs> and flies away so his relationship with her is I guess like now she is in a romantic relationship with Catherine Zeta Jones because she turns down the Phantom, which was funny. Um, I did have a good chuckle about that. Our bad guy is killed in, in a matter of two minutes. His um, legacy is fulfilled and um, basically saved uh, after he takes the belt from the main henchman. And um, all is well. The stones that he meant to return back to the jungle where he's from were evidently destroyed. And he found out that he had the the skull that was meant to um, save them or control them or whatever. It was just this weird metal ring that he had on his finger. I don't really know how that worked either. 
Um, and, uh, yeah, then the movie just kind of wraps up. I didn't really, I don't know. I, I thought there would be more. And then like you're watching it and you're like, that was a good adventure. Like, honestly, that was amazing. And you're thinking, okay, so they made a second one and they didn't, they just, they didn't. You'd think with, for a film that only cost $45 million, they would have made their money back or just said, you know what, fuck it. Let's make another one and just see what happens. But back then, like Hollywood still was like riding that high of like the seventies and the eighties. And they just kept thinking, you know, we are, we are Hollywood. We're just going to keep making money. And even like, even if they like broke even or it had good DVD and VHS sales, which apparently the Phantom did all these films that I'm about to talk about, whether or not they made a profit or not all had legs. Like they're all huge cult films now, evidently. And once they went to the home market, that's where they took off because people will start watching them like crazy. Once they went to TV, people started watching them like crazy. You think even in like the two thousands, they would have did something, but no, they didn't. Nothing happened. None of these films. Um, so that's it. So like, if you liked it, just keep watching it because you can't watch it and you can't even buy the Blu-ray. I went to check Amazon for it and it's like 106 bucks. It's like been out of print since like 2011. So there's that. But if you do have Amazon prime, you can definitely, uh, pick it up or pick it up, put it on. And, uh, I highly recommend it if you were a fan of, oh, and that's the other thing too. Evidently they had a couple different directors in mind for this film. Um, and they chose somebody who didn't have a lot of filming experience. And I'm not saying this in a bad way because the film turned out great. But what he did have was he was a huge fan of the Phantom, a huge fan. So that ultimately served in why it was so close to the source material, which can often bite a film in the butt. For example, anything by Zack Snyder, where he's like, I'm going to take the comic book, like i.e. like 300 or Watchmen. He's like, I'm going to take the comic book and I'm basically going to do frame for frame. I'm going to redo it. But what he did was he took out the outlandish part in the Watchmen, which honestly, that's the only time where I'm kind of like, you know what, that was probably for the best instead of like weird space monsters. It was a nuclear bomb and that makes more sense, but that we're not talking about the Watchmen right now. We're talking about the Phantom. And, um, so he's a huge fan and that honestly made, played a huge role. And then also to Billy Zane, beautiful Billy Zane, great guy. He's like, yeah, the last movie that I was on, I actually, somebody introduced the Phantom to me and I was like reading it. I was really into it. So then when this, this role popped up and I was offered to me, he's like, I jumped on it. What better, what, like what better coincidence could there be? Like a director who is absolutely fond of the series and loves it. And then an actor who fall, who's fallen in love with the character playing the main character. And he was even saying in the special feature, he's like, yeah, like I read, I read through as many as I could find. And, uh, and I was like copying like kind of like how he moved. He's like very sleek and he like moves around kind of like a, like a, like an, like a Chinese, like our Buddhist monk, like very like swift and like sleek. And I was like, God damn, like the fact that he was putting in this kind of effort, he's like working out every day. He, he like made sure he was in peak physical condition to put on the suit. Like that is like in the nineties. Like this is like, you have like Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, Batman, which I love them and they're great, but they're not shredded or anything. You don't believe for a second that they're actually Batman. You can believe that they're Bruce Wayne, but you can't believe they're Batman. And Billy Zane like crushed it. He's like shredded. He like got the character. He got what the character was about. And he wasn't just like all muscle. Like it was one of the, one of the other where I found with like late eighties, early nineties comic book films. It was like, they either looked like the character, they were all muscle or they like we're just a charismatic like actor, like just read the lines well. And I felt like Billy Zane did that all very perfectly. <sighs> what are we at here? 36 minutes. Yeah. So 
if you guys are up to it, check it out. Like I, I was going to talk about the history a bit, but I really don't know it. I really don't know. And I don't know the history really for any of these. I do know that you can find the Phantom books on Amazon. I know that you can read them online. I know that if you go to Florida someday, if we ever can again, you can see a huge marquee of the Phantom when you go to Toon Lagoon in uh, Islands of Adventure, Florida, which I loved. I'm pretty sure I took a couple pictures of that. And I remember the person I was with at the time was like, why are you taking pictures of that? And I was like, oh, that's the Phantom. But it's about all I knew really of the Phantom. I knew that there was a Billy Zane film. I had not seen it. I'm just really happy I did. and. I might be coming into this episode with rose-colored glasses saying that this film's amazing and I might watch it again tomorrow and say, you know what, it's not great. But I doubt it because I really, really liked it. There's one scene in particular where I was like, okay, I love this film. And Billy Zane goes to, and we'll, we'll finish it up after this, Billy Zane goes to, and I just keep referring to, to Billy Zane because, goddamn, isn't that just a fun name to say? Billy Zane. Like, he just sounds like he was the coolest guy in the room. He probably was. Um, he comes in to rescue this girl, uh, Swanson. And, uh, you know, she's tied up. And Catherine Cena Jones is there. And uh, I, I, can't, I don't know if she punches him in the face or something like that. But then she, like, gives him, like, a big kiss. like, <laughs> And he's like, all right, you're up right to Swanson like implying like okay your turn to kiss me like beat that and then she punches Captain Zeta Jones in the face and like knocks her out or whatever and he's like okay good punch not was like not what I was expecting though and I was like all right I'm in I'm in that got that's exactly like it's, it's plucky it's fun and it's just the right amount of action he's just like it's basically like relatable he's not like all right let's go like like Bruce Wayne he's not like haha like whatever stupid Superman things Superman says Superman's the worst um just casually throw that out there and raging people but yeah i just it was it was refreshing i think that's the best word and i think if you guys are in isolation and you want something to watch throw that on because it is refreshing is fun it's like a superhero film different than what we're used to now um and just you know go with it i'm not saying it's bad and just like turn a blind eye but just not even turn your brain off because there's some stuff that's just like oh yeah this like i have to be paying attention but it's just a, it's just a fun film. It's a, it's from a different time, and I don't mean that in any negativity. It just it's it's just a different way of filming a superhero movie, and I appreciated everything about it. And I would 100% watch it again. Um, if I was to give it a jam review, I would say this is probably 11 out of 10. It was a fun ride, and I will definitely throw this on at least once a year for the rest of my life. So yeah, that's the Phantom. Um, and then. Uh, in the next couple days, look forward to either, I can't decide yet what I'm going to do. If I'm going to do Dick Tracy first or The Shadow, and I still got to find a name for what I'm going to call this little series. 90s, or yeah, 90s period, 90s pulp period comic films, comic movies, movies, 90s pulp period movies. Yeah, okay, we'll do that. Let's just say we'll do that. So thanks for listening, guys. Um, it's a bit of a quicker episode. Uh, hopefully it turns out. I've got two of the three recordings right now. I'm thinking it might just be one by the end. And um, yeah, uh, look forward to the next episode. I don't know if I'm going to get an advertisement in here or not. If I do, thank you to the advertising. Um, thank you for those who believed in me, I guess, to put the advertising in here. And um Check me out on Instagram and on Twitter at ACFO Podcast. You can find me on on Facebook, on um, Patreon at A Conversation for One Podcast. Uh, and you can watch 
my jam reviews at Master Horlings on Instagram. And uh, take the time to give me a rating. It takes a quick second just to give me a quick five stars. And if you're feeling up to it, I'd appreciate a review. But I get it. You guys are all very busy. Um, and yeah, stay rad. Be good to each other. And uh, be, <laughs> be good to each other. Be excellent to each other. And uh, until next time, Tyler out. Some mad stories about this kid, man. He's limber, he's too limber. Put a cork in it, Zane. It's a walk-off. It's a walk-off. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.